28-year-old Abby Choi was living a life that many people wish they had. She would live a luxurious life, bumping shoulders with celebrities at Paris Fashion Week. And she would also be the most sought-after fashion icon. Choi has been featured in magazines such as Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, Elle, and most recently, La Officielle Monaco. Her friends and family knew Choi as their big baby. She was a very loving soul who always found time for her family. As can be witnessed by her social media accounts, her family was very important to her. Choi was very close to her mother and two younger sisters. Despite being married and having her own children, she always made time for them. She also co-founded a non-profit charitable organization to help stray animals. So with a woman as loving and caring as Choi is said to be, you wonder why would someone want to kill her and at that kill her in the most gruesome way possible. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources I used for this case can be found at tamsinleecrimsonsin.podbean.com. Please let me know if there are any details that I may have overlooked or something that has been lost in translation because this is another case that happened overseas and sometimes things do become lost in translation. Before we get into today's case, I want to say that this episode is um, shorter than what I wanted it to be, and I do apologize for that, but I am going to make it up in the next episode because the next episode is going to be a whopper. <laughs> it, I was surprised of how long that my next episode's going to be. So, but this is, um, this is just a build up for the next episode that you are not going to want to miss and you don't want to miss this one either. So let's dive into today's topic, which is Abby Choi. I'm sure you've heard of her because her case, her case just happened recently. It happened in February and it was all over the place. I remember seeing news articles about this when it first came out and when it first happened. So, Abby Choi is a stylish influencer and model. Uh, she comes all the way from the vibrant city of Hong Kong. Now, brace yourself because when news about this particular case first hit the airwaves, everyone was taken aback by the, by the sheer brutality of the murder. It was like something, it was like something straight out of a bone chilling horror flick. So, here's a little bit about Abby Choi. Abby was born in July 1994. Based on my research, it is believed that her biological father and Choi's mother divorced sometime after her birth. And then, you know, her mother became remarried to another man who legally adopted her and became her father. This union also blessed Choi with two half-sisters. Now, while some sources mention this detail, some sources mention this detail, while others do not. While some sources claim this, others do not. You know, take it for a grain of salt, basically, because really we don't know. <laughs> um, most of Choi's personal life remains concealed. 
as she prefers not to share pictures of her family to maintain their privacy. It is safe to say that much of her childhood is speculation. However, we do know that her parents amassed a substantial fortune by managing construction and mining businesses across mainland China. Choi or the media did not release the names of Choi's parents and siblings. So Choi's siblings and her mother, as far as I know, their names are not released. Choi grew up well off financially, so not only would she eventually inherit her parents' multi-million dollar fortune in the future, but she also made a decent amount herself through her ventures. Choi was estimated to have a net worth without her parents' finances in the picture of over 12 million U.S. dollars. During my research, I looked at pictures of her and she was... She was a charming woman. She was very beautiful. Even though she was wearing probably the most ridiculously priced dresses, Choi always appeared to have a generous smile. Typically, most people who see someone like Choi or know her financial standing would probably feel uncomfortable approaching her. But the way she carried herself and the air around her made her seem like you could approach her, you could speak to her. There were many accounts where people stated that she was very down-to-earth. People generally have negative things to say about wealthy families, but with Choi, people only had the nicest things to say about her. She's probably one of the few that remained humble about her financial situation. So when Abby was 15 years old, she met Alex Kwong in 2012 when she was 18 years old. They married. The Kwong family couldn't have been more delighted by this marriage. However, there were reports that Choi's family and friends were a little more hesitant about the wedding. It wasn't because they disliked Alex, but according to speculation, it could have been because the family's financial standings. And while the family never came out and said, hey, you, you're wealthy, stay within your class, you know, marry within your financial class, they never came out and said that. I think the more, the reasoning behind it was just basically, you're young. You're so young. Why don't you wait and, wait and see? Getting married at 18 is still pretty young. Choi is a socialite. You know, her family has dinners with and mingles with powerful and influential people in Hong Kong. Alex's family was maybe middle class. So there was quite a difference there. But money isn't everything especially when you are in love. I think her family and friends were more worried about Alex liking her for her financial status, which which is entirely understandable. So they, they were more worried that, you know, he was like, oh, she's rich, she can take care of me, instead of, oh, I'm so in love with her, you know? So you see, you do see this situation a lot, especially in movies. I mean, it's not unheard of to happen in real life also. The Kwong family comprises of Cao Kwong, which is Alex's father, Jenny Lee, his mother, Anthony, which is his older brother, and Alex. Cao Kwong used to work for the Hong Kong police. There are claims that Kwong enjoyed his job working in the police force. 
In 2001, he received the Hong Kong Police Long Service Medal. By 2005, Cao earned a promotion to Detective Sergeant. Unfortunately, this promotion would not last long, as he soon resigned. There are allegations that Cao, who held a position of power, was misusing that authority. He would allegedly, allegedly, meet with a female suspect several times under the pretense of conducting an investigation, but instead he ended up raping her. Cal was not charged for the supposed scandal, but he was released on bail and resigned from the police force. Cal had a hard time maintaining employment after this. He enjoyed his job in the police force, but there was no way he could go back now. So, of course, now that his youngest son was soon to marry Choi, he was ecstatic about it. Mind you, some people do not care about money regarding the one you love, but as you will soon find out, it seems money and power mean everything to the Kwongs. But it appears that Kwong Sr. isn't the only member of the family embroiled in an alleged scandal. In February 2015, Alex was apprehended by law enforcement for specifically targeting male individuals on dating apps and persuading them to invest their money in non-existent gold opportunities. He reportedly defrauded his victims of 640,000 US dollars. Alex was sued for roughly 205,000 US dollars for this crime and even jumped bail. Anthony Kwong does not appear to have a criminal record. However, in 2019, he was reportedly sued over outstanding debts. The Kwong's matriarch also does not appear to have a criminal record, but declared bankruptcy in 2017. While these two instances are not criminal-related and can happen to anyone, really, I included these to describe their financial situation because it is crucial to understand where they are, where they come from, and why the story unfolds the way it does. Choi was married to Alex Kwong for about three years. It is suspected that Choi had no idea about the alleged rape case against Cao Kwong. In those three years, she had two children. It was also reported that Choi financially supported the entire family during her marriage. There is nothing wrong with this, as Choi made more than enough money to support everyone. However, Choi and Alex divorced in 2015. The reason for their divorce was never made public. Her friends and family have stated that even though they divorced, she never talked badly about Alex, which is almost unheard of. That is something that is completely almost unheard of today. Usually divorces can become hostile. I say this because it is seen time and time again where one partner sues the other over money, they start leaking out private matters, and so on. Generally, a divorce, especially with celebrities or people with a lot of money, it becomes a huge spectacle. But Choi and Kwong's divorce appeared to be seamless. She told the Kwongs that she would still pay for their housing. This action was very generous because she could have broken all contact with them or only contacted them regarding the children. Instead, she purchased a luxury flat for her ex-family, estimated at around 9 million US dollars, and provided them with a monthly allowance. 
This luxury flat was in Kaduri Hill of Homantin, and was purchased in Cao Kuang's, her father-in-law's name. These estates are massive and well taken care of. I provided a link in the show notes to the Kadori website for those who want to see how lovely the properties are and daydream about living in a place like that one day. <laughs> but back to the Kuangs, they are they were not asked to pay her back. Nor was this a limited time deal where Choi was waiting for them to, to get back on their feet. This was purely out of love for her family. Or maybe Choi just felt it was her duty. I don't know. Although Choi and Alex were divorced, she continued supporting them. She continued to finance the luxury lifestyle that they had accustomed to. Choi did not have to do any of this. Maybe she was trying to avoid a messy divorce. Or perhaps... She felt that she needed to continue helping them because they were her family. They shared two children. But any idea of her intentions on this matter is purely speculative. Her reasoning was never stated publicly to the media. And if she stated this to her family members, it is is remaining with the family members for why she chose to do this. Regardless of her intentions, to me, this generosity was probably overkill. Personally, I wouldn't be able to accept this level of kindness because I I wouldn't say I like to rely on someone else financially. Um, I, I really can't stand it, you know. So things still seem great for the Kwongs, even though the two are separated. When Alex's brother, Anthony, needed a job, Choi offered to have him be her chauffeur. She looked out for them and provided them with so many opportunities. In December 2016, Choi married Chris Tam. Chris Tam is the son of the founder of Tam Jai International, which is a fast casual restaurant chain with numerous locations around mainland China and in Japan. Their marriage was only a ceremony. They did not fill out paperwork for the government, which is an important fact to remember for the rest of the story. The couple would go on to have two kids together. Chris knew of Choi's arrangement with her former in-laws, and he was okay with it. He supported her choice to help the Kwongs financially. Chris even cared for Choi's first two children like they were his own. Some speculated that Choi, Tam, and Alex Kwong were classmates. However, after Tam and Choi's wedding video leaked to the media, Tam's words contradicted their first meeting in school. But Tam has stated that he knew Kwong from school. Whether they knew each other from school or not, it doesn't really add much to the story to me because there wasn't like a... It was there wasn't a lover's triangle from way back in middle school, so it doesn't it doesn't appear to it doesn't add any anything to the story. It's purely speculation at this point because a lot of people did report that they knew all three of them knew each other in school. Since then, their wedding video leaked, and it kind of contradicts that. So I'm gonna say it's kind of speculative. They all maintained a healthy relationship. It was not unusual for the Kwongs to attend Christmas with Choi and Tam. So everyone would be together. So everyone would be a happy family on Christmas together. 
and they would also go on vacations together as well. All of this was for the children because they were half siblings. I mean, they were all family. So Anthony Kwong, Choi's former brother-in-law, would spend a lot of time with Choi because he was, you know, her chauffeur. And she also was helping him purchase his own home. He would even call her sis. They were so close that he would just call her sis. So everything in their little family was as it should be. You know, they were being taken care of by Abby. She wasn't going to cut them off. She didn't ever say anything about cutting them off. Nothing. But one day, Choi decided to look into selling the $9 million flat that her former in-laws were currently living in. It was speculated that Choi wanted to boost her real estate portfolio, but the Kwongs were unhappy. They didn't believe that this was her true intention. But even though Choi wished to sell this property, she told them she would relocate the family and continue supporting them. However, this still upset the Kwongs, who, who verbally fought with their former daughter-in-law about the issue. Because Choi stated that she wanted to boost her real estate portfolio. They were like, whoa, the real estate game is kind of down right now, you know, that you would be losing money. So that makes no sense. So it, it became a huge issue between them. On, on February 21st, 2023, Choi was leaving her home to go pick up her child, her eight-year-old daughter, that's from her first marriage. She was going to pick her up from school, but she never showed up. Cam, her current husband, tried calling her phone, but there was no answer. He was alarmed because this was very uncharacteristic of her. It is speculated that Tam and Choi's parents first thought maybe, maybe someone kidnapped her for ransom. I mean, this is highly plausible, as they were all very, very wealthy. They still hadn't heard from her the next day. So they all decided to go to the police station to file a missing persons report. The police decided to go to the Kwong residence to ask about Choi. Standard procedural things, as they knew the Kwongs were associated with her. But instead of the Kwongs being concerned or showing any attempt to help the police find their former daughter-in-law, they were uncooperative. When asked questions about Choi, the Kwongs would try maneuvering the conversation elsewhere. This raised some red flags for the investigators. The Kwongs provided investigators with false leads about Choi's abduction. Because all of this was alarming, the police resorted to pulling CCTV footage where they found Choi getting into a seven-seater vehicle driven by Anthony Kwong. This led investigators to pull the GPS from the car to determine where they went. From the GPS, they found the vehicle went to Taipo, Taipo's Lungmei Suen. I apologize if I mispronounced those. <laughs> so after obtaining this information, officers were deployed to Taipo immediately to conduct door-to-door -door interviews. Officers also watched surveillance videos from local houses and dash cam footage from parked vehicles. 
Within 24 hours, investigators determined that they would find Choi on the ground floor of an unfurnished and recently rented three-story house. It was soon revealed that Cao Kuang, Choi's ex-father-in-law, was the one who rented the house. One resident remembered hearing a lot of noise from the home. Another resident stated to have heard two women in a verbal argument, which lasted about an hour. They could not discern what the fight was about as their voice was raised, probably talking over one another, and maybe even maybe a little muffled by the walls. However, none of the residents called to complain about the noise. One resident expressed guilt for not calling, stating they probably could have saved a life. But nothing was alarming about this dispute or the noises inside the home, so no one felt the need to call the authorities. Neighbors also stated they witnessed people coming out of the house with large trash bags. One such resident reported coming home from work around 10 o'clock that night and witnessed a woman who was believed to be Choi exiting the seven-seater vehicle and entering the house with three or four others. The same resident claimed to have left their home again, returning in the early morning hours, and stated they heard sounds of things falling and hitting the window. No person was, would suspect what was happening in that house. Violent crimes are very rare in Hong Kong, so while these instances were odd, nothing made the neighbors feel something, they didn't feel the need that they had to call authorities. On Friday, February 24th, 2023, officers secured a warrant to forcibly enter the home, only to find a gruesome scene. It appeared as if the house's sole purpose for being rented was to commit murder. The walls and floors were covered in plastic sheeting to protect them from blood splatter. Also found at the crime scene were long raincoat, chainsaws, meat grinders, masks, and gloves. Officers recovered two large soup pots containing a cooked head and ribs covered with carrots and radishes. Sources stated the pot, which included the head, was boiled for so long that the hair and flesh separated from the skull. There also appeared to be a fatal blow to the right side of the head. A Taiwanese forensic doctor stated that the sole purpose of cooking the body parts was to destroy fingerprints and hide DNA. Consuming the cooked flesh was never a part of the plan. They also found two female legs in the refrigerator. Investigators suspected that these body parts belonged to Abby Choi. After the forensics team ran DNA testing, they concluded that the body parts were Choi's. Also found in the home were Choi's pink Hermes bag, ID, and credit cards. They also found a jacket that is believed to be Jenny's at the crime scene. It had her DNA on it. In my research, I did not find information stating whether the Kwongs were in the flat when the police made their findings, but it appears no one was at the scene when officers entered. However, officers arrested Cao Kwong, Jenny Kwong, and Anthony Kwong on the same day they raided the village house. The investigators still had a lot of work to do. They needed to find Alex Kwong and still needed to find the missing remains, including Choi's arms and torso. While reviewing security footage, police uncovered that some evidence may have been thrown away at a refuse collection point in Tai Po. 
They hoped to find items such as the victim's clothing, phone, or anything to help their investigation. By March 3rd, more than 120 officers wearing protective suits were dispatched to search a landfill in Takuling, along with excavators and bulldozers. The excavation at the landfill would take a few days to complete because they were sifting through an area the size of a football field and 16 feet deep. One of the reports I saw stated that the officers found bones but could not determine if they were human or animal, so they sent them to be examined. Even with the use of drones, investigators were unable to find the remaining body part. The suspects were asked where the rest of her body was located, but they never told. And they still have not been found to this day. However, they did discover useful evidence that could further the case. It was speculated that if they had not found this evidence, the perpetrators could have been charged with manslaughter instead of murder. All of this happened while the Kwongs were in police custody, and officers needed to find Choi's ex-husband, Alex. Alex was not only wanted because he was a suspect in this case, he was also wanted because of the scheme back in 2015. So the entire time after he had jumped bail, he was wanted by the police. So according to reports, the Kwongs were still uncooperative. However, investigators determined that Anthony Kwong, Choi's former brother-in-law, lured her into the vehicle under the pretense of picking up her daughter from school. Police also determined Cao Kwong, the father, he had orchestrated the whole thing. On February 25th, Alex was arrested at Tung Chung Pier after police received information that he was trying to flee by speedboat. He reportedly had about 64,000 US dollars in cash and luxury watches amounting to roughly 512,000 US dollars. Investigators continued searching for the remaining body parts of Choi at Sung Kwan Chinese Permanent Cemetery and the sewers in Lung Mei Village. On February 26th, a 47-year-old woman who worked in a massage parlor and allegedly was Cao Kwong's mistress rented a house for Alex Kwong to hide in until he was caught by police fleeing. She was charged with aiding and abetting a fugitive. Police suspected the motive of the murder to be the dispute over the flat that Choi wanted to sell. It is also speculated that because she wasn't legally married to her husband, Chris, the Kwongs would receive her money. The police stated that when Anthony Kwong picked up Choi on February 22nd, Alex Kwong entered the vehicle at some point and strangled her. She was unconscious when they arrived at the village house in Tai Po. On February 27th, the Kwong family was taken to the court of first instance. At the hearing, many reporters were waiting for the perpetrators. During the trial, the public was outraged by how calm the perpetrators appeared after a brutal crime. Cao Kwong seemed to be unconcerned while listening to the allegations in detail. 
Anthony and Alex Kwong would sometimes bow their head and look at the judge without saying a word, while Jenny Kwong remained bowing the entire time. It was reported the family did not hire a private lawyer and only discussed the case with a public lawyer. The judge adjourned the trial until May 8th for police to gather more evidence. On March 2nd, a 41-year-old named Lam Shun, an employee at a yacht rental company, was arrested on suspicion that he was paid a little over 38,400 US dollars to help Alex escape Hong Kong to go to Macau. On March 6th, he was charged with assisting in an offender with intent to impede his apprehension or prosecution and was granted bail. On March 8th, a seventh suspect was detained by police. Irene Pun, a 29-year-old influencer and food blogger, was seized in mainland China and handed over to Hong Kong police at Shenzhen Bay Port, where she was charged with assisting an offender with intent to impede his apprehension or prosecution. Pun was released on a $6,400 U.S. bail and banned from leaving Hong Kong. Law enforcement also confiscated her travel documents, and she must report to the police twice a week. It is known that Pun is close to Lam Shun. On May 8th, all seven suspects appeared in court. It was confirmed that the bloodstains found in Anthony's car matched Choi's DNA. Cao Kuang, Anthony Kuang, and Alex Kuang were all charged with the murder of Abby Choi, all receiving life sentences. Jenny Kuang allegedly did not take part in the murder. However, it was found that she knew of the plans and was charged with perverting evidence as she allegedly destroyed evidence on February 23rd. While this case shook the whole nation, no one was more devastated than Choi's family and friends. On February 28th, Choi's family and friends arrived at Fushan Mortuary to identify her body. Upon arriving at the mortuary, the model's mother burst into tears with her head on the shoulder of her current son-in-law. They also brought paper dolls and other items to hold a prayer ceremony for Abby. Her mother was reported saying, Daughter, your mother cannot meet you anymore. Your kindness was taken advantage of in this life. She also described the perpetrators of her daughter's demise as wolves without a conscience. Choi's aunt stated, You deserve better. Don't worry about your family. You can move on now. It's a huge regret that you have to experience this. Choi's mother goes by fifth sister on the Chinese TikTok equivalent, Daoyin. After the tragedy took place, many people took to Daoyin to share their support and condolences. On the social media platform, Choi's mother described Abby as an excellent big sister with a gentle nature who was always polite and generous. Because the rest of Abby's remains could not be found, her family opted to reconstruct her face using 3D printing services. Some funeral homes in mainland China have the option to use 3D printing for the deceased when their face is disfigured. A 3D model is created by scanning photos of the person, which takes about two hours, and a 3D mask is made using resin, plaster, silicone, and fiber. 
Then undertakers apply makeup and a wig. On March 10th, it was reported that 40 residents of Taipo, as well as its rural, rural, <laughs> as well as its rural, I can't say that word, rural committee members gathered outside the crime scene to burn incense and observe customary rituals performed by Taoist priests to soothe Choi's soul and comfort each other. Before this brutal crime took place in this village, it was a tourist attraction. But since Abby's body parts were found in this area, many people stopped going. Residents have resorted to putting surveillance cameras around their houses, worried that another terrible crime could be committed in their small town. Others have moved out of the village. A vigil was held at Po Fu Memorial Hall for Choi on June 18th. Adhering to Buddhist traditions, Choi's family is believed to have paid a little over 384,000 US dollars for the 3D printing and funeral. The vigil was decorated entirely in pink, Choi's favorite color, and included everything she loved. Two massive portraits of the model were located at the entrance of the funeral home. Hundreds of people attended the vigil and funeral when it was closed off from public. Those who participated in the vigil and witnessed the 3D reconstruction of Choi's face stated that she appeared lifelike. After her funeral, Choi's remains were cremated. Chinese model Mokka Fang, who was close to Abby Choi, and stated that she was absolutely devastated after hearing about her death. Another friend of Choi's couldn't believe anyone could have murdered a person who was so kind and generous. Another friend also stated that even with her financial status, Choi was always so polite to everyone. Chris Tam, Choi's current husband, mostly remained quiet during all of this. Really, her entire family remained silent, which is understandable because they value their privacy, right? They were grieving on their own amongst themselves, so for them to remain silent during this time is something that you expect. So Chris said that he was grateful to have met his wife. He stated that when she was alive, she was a kind-hearted person who wanted to help people. He further stated that he felt that anyone who had had the chance to be her family or her friend was blessed. He also stated that he's not good at expressing himself, but he will always love Choi, and she is always on his mind. Choi left behind four children, two with Alex Kwong and two with Chris Tam. Her eldest children are reportedly in Choi's mother's custody, but Chris has stated that he will step up to the plate to take care of all four of Choi's children. As if the murder case wasn't enough of a slap in the face to Choi's family, Cao Kuang supposedly demanded Chris Tam pay for their legal fees. I, I have no words to describe the anger I felt when I read that. How can someone feel so entitled? You are accused of murdering his wife and the mother of your grandchildren. Because of their actions, the two eldest children had both parents ripped from their lives. Anyway, however, this is not the 
the end of the tale. Unfortunately, with Choi gone, the Kwongs still live on. They are still their greedy selves. The flat which Choi bought and paid for was listed and sold for 9.3 million US dollars in March by Cao Kwong. Choi's mother filed a writ to forbid Kwong from selling this flat. By all rights, it is Abby's. Choi had Cao Kwong sign the contract to avoid taxes. But she paid for the four-bedroom flat, which came with a balcony. I have not found anything stating that the sale was finalized, but I'm assuming it wasn't because it is listed as an inheritance that will be equally distributed among her four children when they are all 18. However, even her heirs have to wait for justice to earn their inheritance. Which, to be fair, for you to earn an inheritance, you have to be of legal age, right? So you have to be 18. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about here. It was reported on May 22nd that while they are still underaged, it could take up to five years for a party to access the estate. This is because they have to wait for the conclusion of the murder investigation, which can be prolonged if any of them seek an appeal. The whole process could become lengthy and complex if this were to happen. I wish nothing but the best for Choi's family and friends. From everything I gathered from researching this case, she seemed like a wonderful person to be around who brought happiness to a lot of people. No one deserves to have their life ended, especially in the manner she was murdered. It was disgusting and abhorrent. The Kwongs freeloaded off of her for years, but were never happy. I don't understand what they thought they could have possibly gained from murdering her. I guess there was a possibility that if they weren't caught, maybe, and that was, that, that would be a big maybe, they would have access to her estate. But I still find the details in this to have holes. I mean, even if she was, you know, even if they, they never got caught, the money would have still just went to the children. I mean, maybe they could have still found a way to access it through the children. I don't know. I am sorry that this episode was sh so short. There was a lot of media coverage on this case, and every almost every article I found, almost all of them said the same things. Uh, like, it was almost... Every article was almost carbon copies of each other, and I spent hours researching this. It's insane how much media coverage this case had. But, again, I am going to make up for this short episode during our next episode, and it's going to be a heavy one. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts on this case? Do you think the Kwong family's sentencing was just... Do you think their sentencing was just that they have to serve a whole life sentence? Or is there any details I may have missed? I'm sure I've missed some details because this episode is a lot shorter than what I would like it to be. And if you do have any details, please include them in the comments. I would love to see your insights. And if you have a case that you would like me to look into, please 
leave them in the comments or you can find a way to contact me with your requests in the show notes. I have an email where you can send your requests to me that way. So thank you for listening and everyone, please stay safe. I'll see you for the next episode. Bye.